0: Hello, sports fans, welcome back to Sportsnet 650 on the vast Sportsnet radio network, the flagship station, Sportsnet 650 in beautiful downtown Vancouver. It's the holidays, so I'm a voice you haven't heard often, if at all, just means that everybody else is mailed it in now until January. Uh, There's a lot of that happening in the city. I'm Brooke Ward, been around here and there, a little bit of here, a little bit of there, mostly there, not so much here. But now we're here, we're not so much there. I'm glad you're here instead of being there. Are you glad? Welcome to the big program. I am Brooke Ward. I'm in for what is normally Drance and Dodd Canuck Talk. There will be a lot of Canuck Talk today over the next couple hours, but everybody's on holidays. Drance is actually in the building, and he's doing some work in the building. So, I mean, really, while you're in the building, what the heck am I doing here? But still, uh, Drance is in the building. Demetri is in the building. Elan Clark is producing the program. He's in the building. Hello, Elan. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing well, Brooke. You're doing swell. You're looking good. Looking sharp, you're a lean, mean, fighting machine. Yeah, it's good to have you back on the air. It's going to be a fun show. I hope so. I mean, that's the plan anyway. And uh, Elan working so hard behind the scenes, who to book what we hope is going to be a fun show. Coming up in our first hour here, a couple of guests for you, including the Seahawks still alive, and they're keeping a close eye on this football game tonight between New Orleans and the Rams. The Seahawks are still alive, one of five teams at 7-7 seven and seven in the NFC. And the Seahawks are going to need some help, but could win out and get in as well. Only three games to go for the Seahawks, and they're not world beaters that they're going to have to face down the stretch. But tonight, you've got the Rams and you've got the Saints, both at 7-7 seven and seven, tied with Seattle. Saints are behind Seattle, though, when it comes to the winning percentage, basically, or head-to-head battles. So Seattle has New Orleans on the outside looking in right now, the top eight. So you are, uh, if you want a winner tonight, you're going to want the Rams to win. If you're Seattle, we will ask Zach Charbonneau about that. Fine running back for the right behind Kenneth Walker too. And every time they hand the ball off to Charbonneau this year, he seems to gain yards. If Walker's not on the field, Charbonneau is, and he gains yards. He's going to join us. At 12.15, lots to talk about with the Camarillo, California native, the former UCLA Bruin. 12.30 today, Sarah Sivian out of the NHL. Is it BR Open Ice? I hope I have that correct. BR Open Ice, Too Many Men podcast, EP Rinkside. Sarah's everywhere. The Canucks taking on Dallas tonight. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the plight of Alexander Ovechkin as well. Not trending in the promising and correct direction as, as far as Ovi would be concerned this year. Thought he was a total lock and may still be to catch Gretzky. Not very many goals behind Gretzky right now, but he's, what is he, stuck on five goals this year or so? I think when Capitals played last night, he might have had eight shots on goal. It was a 3-2 win over the Islanders last night. I think he had eight shots on goal in that hockey game. But Ovi is just squeezing the stick, as they say and uh, did show up on the stat sheet with an assist last night, and it was the game-winner in overtime that Dylan Strom scored. But uh, Ovi sitting on five goals at last check of the year, uh, not what you'd expect from Alexander Ovechkin. More on that coming up, too, as we cruise along. Also, the Vancouver Giants are in their Christmas break right now. They are in a playoff position in the Western Conference as they hit their playoff break, and they're back in action on the 27th. Uh, taking on the Victoria Royals at uh, the LEC. Barkley Parnetta, their general manager, to join us. We'll talk about all things Giants. We'll talk about Samuel Honzik, too, who's off with Slovakia at the uh, World Hockey Championships as well. So lots going on with the Vancouver Giants as well. Lots going on with us. Plenty going on with the Canucks. It's the Canucks and Dallas tonight. Off the top, it's a 5 o'clock game, pregame show at 4 here on Sportsnet 650. The Stars have 40 points. They're 18-8-4, 40 points, second in the Central in a tie with Colorado, one behind the Jets who won last night. And the Canucks, as you know, are an eye-bulging 22-9-2 on the year for 46 points, one behind Vegas in the Pacific and in the West as well. Six up on Dallas. The Canucks have played three more games than the Stars. It's a big game tonight. The old four-pointer, as they used to call it. Canucks have won seven straight points. Check that. Points in seven straight. They have won six of them. They're flying. They're soaring. And it's cool here, just prior to Christmas, now getting into late December, it's so cool for a a huge change to have the Canucks a playoff lock on the 21st of December. Yes, I said it, a playoff lock. I'm sure others have said it as well. No way they're going to miss the playoffs. No way. No, that's nothing I would have said at the start of the season. Beginning of the season, I thought the Canucks are going to be a team that will do what they've done before. They'll battle hard. They're good enough to compete. They'll get close to the playoffs. They'll just miss them, and they'll mess up uh, their draft position because they're going to finish 15th overall or, or or 18th overall, as an example, instead of 25th overall and that's where I expect them to be. It's the retooling that Rutherford and Alvy have done basically since the season started that has changed everything for the Canucks and would change that forecast I had for the Canucks as well. Without some of the retooling they've done, I figured the Canucks would would be that team that would just miss the playoffs, improve but just miss. But the retooling they've done, in particular in goal, that is... The biggest difference, in my mind, for the Vancouver Canucks. You've got Demko as your starter. You've added other pieces, too. But you've got Demko as your starter. And the backup behind Demko right now is doing so much damage for the Vancouver Canucks, in case you dismiss, that that is the difference between the Canucks being, in my mind right now, the main difference. There is others. There's the Zadorov deal, which beefed up certainly in more ways than won the defense. Lafferty coming in from Toronto at the last moment, and boy, has he proved to be a great addition to the Canucks. Didn't have him in the preseason. DeSmith comes in though, and that's the biggest that's the biggest difference maker for the Canucks when it comes to the moves that the the Canucks have made since the start of the season, basically. They came in right at the beginning. But with DeSmith at 6-2-2, two and two, he's earned 14 points for the Canucks and has looked terrific. Not like he got lucky in those games. He's earned 14 points for the Canucks. If you had someone else behind him within the organization or even a Spencer Martin playing behind Demko right now, do the Canucks have 14 points from that goaltender? I think not. I would suggest to you the Canucks have maybe four points from that goaltender. So I think the Canucks have 10 less points in the standings which would have them as a 36 point team and kind of on that bubble that we thought about before the season started. If DeSmith, if that deal had not been made by Rutherford and Alvine. who, by the way, as I, if you were going to pick right now, if you're looking for executives winning awards in the National Hockey League, you got one behind the bench for the Canucks and you get two guys in the front office for the Canucks. As we near Christmas, all deserving of some kind of executive of the year awards, whether it's coach of the year or GM of the year or whatever, those guys have done a great job for Vancouver. But if you took 10 points away from the Canucks because they don't have Casey DeSmith, they're down with the Predators and the Coyotes, and they're staring you know, around that eight hole. Biggest moves of the year, in my mind, that Rutherford, uh, of anybody, and they're not done yet, too. That's what I've liked about them, enjoyed about them. It's fun as a Canuck fan to watch these guys also make moves during the season. They don't just lock their lineup in, and there you go, we're done. They're finding ways to move people and make some moves and clear a little cap space and make some of these moves that I did not expect, to be honest with you, as the season started. I'm just so used to the Canucks. There's your team, basically, and we'll see in the trading deadline if we still happen to be in it or not. That's what's different in my mind with the Vancouver Canucks this year, more than anything. Uh, you can text us anytime you like, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber, they have three stores to serve you. They're in Ladner and Bridge Street, that, in my mind, the original flagship Dunbar Lumber station, the express in Vancouver on, our, on our, our, in Vancouver on Arbutus. I'll be fine. They have their express at the Ladner Center, and you can catch them online too, dunbarlumber.com. Con is the play to be. Thank you, Jay. Into the Dunbar Lumber text line to say, hey, welcome back. You say that now, Jay. Come on back in two hours or two days because I'm here tomorrow as well. From noon till two, tell a friend. Benny from the Mox. Just saying, hey, hello to Brooke. Welcome back. Anyway, I'm glad to be back as well. The Canucks... And Dallas tonight, back home for one more game before Christmas. They're hosting San Jose on Saturday night, and it just at the moment feels like I mean, there's there's losses coming, but it sure feels like they just they just can't lose these days. And tonight can be a night, but they just at the moment you're just like whatever. If you're getting outplayed in the first period, it's DeSmith or Demko going to hold you in the game, and then eventually your scores are to come through. That seems to be what's happening. Again, when I'm looking at DeSmith, if you didn't have someone backing up, if you didn't have someone backing up Demco that you knew could play, first of all, you'd, you'd be playing more games. You'd be playing the heck out of Demco. But if there's a backup in there and you're getting peppered early and outshot and outchanced early, it's not a scoreless tie allowing you to take a lead. It's not even a one nothing deficit allowing you to come back. It's a 3 nothing game and it's over. This year, that is a huge thing that's been different with Vancouver. Getting outshot early, okay, well, you know, the Montreal Canadiens years ago, when you look at the, the Habs, the Oilers, all these great teams, any great team in the NHL, if you just look from the outside at their records, then you just think they're total world beaters, and they, they are, given some of the records over the years. But lots of those games, teams did not play, bring their A games. I know, like, the, the Habs would play the Canucks, they'd be asleep for two periods, and they'd say, okay, I guess we got to crank it up and win this one, because they were taking a look at their opponent as well. A lot of good teams in the league. They're not playing full 60 minutes all the time, but they're good enough to survive a bad period. And right now, that's where the Canucks are good enough to survive some off periods while their goaltenders hold them in. Be honest with me. Before the season started, where did you think the Canucks would be in the standings? I've told you where I thought, and you can put an asterisk in there because of the tinkering. So I'll take that text from you as well. But be honest, where did you think the Canucks would be before the season started? I'm already on record. No, I did not think the Canucks would be with a 22-9-2 and 9 and 2 record. Did not expect that. Ah, 500 team, a little above, hanging in the playoff hunt late, down the stretch. But that's not where they are. Where did you really think they'd be? I'd love you into the text block. Be honest with me. And then you can tell me why things have changed. Maybe it's just the tinkering. A lot of people would say, no, this is where I, because I know many Canuck fans will say, this is where I thought they'd be. I expected this. The optimistic group. And that's great. But the realist, I don't think, would have ever expected to be the Canucks in this position. Even Jim Rutherford didn't expect the Canucks to be in this position. Of course, it was before some of the tinkering. Before Zadorov came in town. I think he might have... I don't even think he'd added Lafferty at the time. He might have before his preseason sit-down with the media. But that's where he said, everything has to go perfectly for us to make the playoffs. We can't have major injuries. Everything has to be going perfect for us. Then we're a playoff team. So that's from Rutherford. So do I feel so bad about saying, well, I got you in the playoff cusp. And so far, I mean, susie has been injured. And he'll be a fine addition, obviously, when healthy, when back. But they've avoided key injuries to the likes of the key players, the Pedersons, the Millers, the Bessers, the Hughes, the Heronics. So they've avoided key injuries. They could still be coming. But even now, I think the Canucks should lose a player or two and still not be, especially with the the – the cushion they built themselves to this point. They could still lose a couple key players for four or six weeks. With the cushion they've built, they're still a playoff team. So even Rutherford didn't expect them to be where they are right now. Yet here they are, one of the top teams in the National Hockey League. Now, I hesitate to say one of the best teams because people will look just at record and say, there you go, they're one of the best teams. And I think, and I've always thought, there's a difference between the best teams and the top teams in the league, if you follow me. The Canucks right now have the second best points total in the league. But are they the second best team in the league? Not yet. They're in the top ten. But there are differences between the best records and the best teams. And I would think most people would think that as well. But, boy, it's good to look at the record and say, hey, there's Vegas. The Canucks are a point behind Vegas. got the Rangers a point behind the Canucks. Boston's two points behind Vancouver. And Winnipeg with a win last night. Suddenly six points out of first place. Five behind the Canucks. And now you've got Dallas, the opponent tonight. You've got the Kings both sitting on 40 points as well. Colorado has 40. So the Canucks were the second-best record, points-wise, in the National Hockey League. The Rangers and the Bruins are the best percentage, winning percentage in the league. Those teams have the best records in my mind, and they're the best teams in the league. Vegas is in that mold. The Canucks are trying to be taken seriously at 22-9-2, and they have to keep going. So great right now for Vancouver, and enjoy it. But where did you have them forecast at the start of the season? Prior to moves, and again, that's moves that are made change everything. You can be in Vegas buying your playoff ticket in September. Like, uh, okay, I'll bet on the Canucks making it in September. I'll bet on them just missing. I have eight other teams that make it. Then teams, the Canucks in particular, they've made moves that other teams, Jim Benning and the other boys, just didn't didn't make or couldn't make, weren't able to make, to try and move some bodies around. And, yeah, I love GMs who tinker. I don't want to see my favorite player sent away, but I love to see GM's tanker. Keeps things interesting. Graham from Hardy in the text inbox, 650-650. I didn't think the Canucks would be as bad as they were last year, but figured they'd be fighting in the middle of the pack. I think why is because the coaching's awesome and the additions and subtractions of the team management group have made it and created a better cohesive team. Agreed. I did not give the coaching staff probably enough credit at the start of the year, too, because I'm just thinking of Rick Tockett. I forget at times. There's guys behind Tockett, and there's guys behind Tockett of great quality. Like, you got a, you got Adam Foote as an assistant coach. You got Gonchar as an assistant coach. Compare them to some of the other guys who have been behind the bench over the years for the Canucks. You, you tockett at me, then you're going to Gonchar and Foot me, too? Well, that's pretty good. I'm going to think you're going to get better coaching. That maybe help some of these players take steps that I didn't know necessarily they had in them, and under previous coaching, maybe those players aren't getting the coaching they need to be able to improve their games. And then there's these two guys who look alike, the twins. I I tend to forget that Daniel and Henrik are floating around, and they lace them up at practices. They they've not been in milk boxes with the Vancouver Canucks under the missing persons department. They are influential on the ice with the hockey club. So a great cast. It appears that Aquilini has it right this time. You got Rutherford. He got Alvine, You drop, you talk it in there. You gonchard me. You footed me. You twinned me up on the ice, lace them up, get the blades, get the stick out there. You've made some good moves from the GM. It would appear that Aquilini's backing away and letting these guys actually do, as we said for the years, with full respect for the ones who preceded the existing. For years, just get out of the way. The ownership, you just could feel their influence on the front office. Right now, the guys in the front offices know what they're doing. They've been left alone to do it. Now, a couple of years from now, when maybe the Canucks are back, losing some of the players they've got right now to free agency, impossible to keep them all. A couple of years from now, maybe this is not a long-term crest for the Canucks at the top of the pack. It could be a just for now because you, I mean, check the salary cap. You got a lot of RFAs, UFAs coming up that are on the mix now. The idea is for the current administration to replace those guys with quality, with the money that they would free up. But right now, at least short term, th- things looking good for the Vancouver Canucks and I'll take short term right now. Your thoughts are welcome. Dunbar, Lumber, text line 650-650. Seahawks will be uh, watching this scoreboard tonight. New Orleans and the Rams, both at 7-7, seven seven, so are Seattle. Uh, the Seahawks are at Tennessee on Sunday at 10 a.m., and so will Jacques Charbonnet be with them. Hello, Zach. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm doing good. How you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Thanks for doing that. You guys got other things to do. You're busy, so I thank you very much for taking some time with us, my friend. Uh, yeah, of course. That incredible comeback win, where were you? Were you on the field when those passes were made at the end? I was watching the balls fly, but were you on the field when Locke was making those passes?
1: Yeah, and I mean, it was definitely a special drive. Locke just doing his thing, DK and Jackson. And then, you know, the boys up front just blocking really well. So, you know, it was a really well-put-together drive, and, I was on the field, and it was exciting.
0: Oh, boy, I'll bet, huh? Because, I mean, two minutes to go, you got the home crowd, and I've seen it with Russell Wilson and others before, but what a moment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about you, too, but what a moment for Drew Locke, huh? How, how do you yeah, not like this wrong. kid?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, know went down, and, you know, he just came in and executed and did the best of his ability on the game plan. So, you know, I just give all credit to him just being able to step up on the role and, you know, just providing. Um, Giving the team a chance.
0: You had such success yourself, Zach, at UCLA, but what do you attribute your success at the NFL level to?
1: Yeah, definitely just my teammates and my coaches. You know, they all put a lot of effort in just making sure everyone's just doing the best they can. You know, Pete's always saying he wants to bring out the best of each one of us individually. So, you know, I just give all credit to them, especially, you know, the running backs like Kenneth Walker, DJ Dallas. You know, they've been a big help just in my transition. So, Uh, you know just definitely a special organization i just give credit to everyone
0: i was going to ask you who you've learned the most from
1: there yeah definitely just the running backs in the running back room and then you know our coach uh, coach chad so you know they definitely get taught me a lot of knowledge especially at football and just making the transition from college to the nfl so you know they've definitely helped me out a lot and what have you learned can you point anything specific to me zach yeah i mean there's a there's a lot i mean Hmm. You know, one thing with K-9 is just on the routine and stuff like that, you know, he's kind of helped me develop that and, you know, just the consistency coming in every day. Um, You know, just being a running back in general, um, knowing the concepts, stuff like that, and knowing what to press, when to make cuts and stuff. So I just give all credit to those guys.
0: Crazy. Is it a faster pace or how much faster pace at the NFL from when you were with UCLA?
1: Yeah, I would definitely say it's a faster pace, but, you know, once you – Understand the plays, understand little details in each and every play. I mean, it just goes back to being football, you know. Um, just, I would say it's a little bit faster, but nothing crazy out there. Yeah,
0: how, you've seen a lot of the football. How much were you expecting to see this year?
1: Um, you know, I, I never really thought about it, especially coming in. You know, I was just my thing was, you know, just to get better each and every day, every single day, and you know, just help the team win and whatever aspect I can. So, you know, that's kind of been my mentality through it, and that's just what I'm going with still. Man, you're having – well, what a great season, too. Every time they hand you the ball – now there's expectations. Every time
0: they hand you the ball, I'm watching going, what's he going to get this time? <laughs> so now you got <laughs> expectations, Zach.
1: It. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: and basically, coming out of UCLA, I wanted to ask you briefly, UC, what's the system like at UCLA? I've all I've been down there on the campus at least, and I just the vibe down there is cool and all that. What was it like playing there?
1: Yeah, it was definitely fun playing there. I mean, I met a lot of great friends there, and you know they had good players there too. Um, But you know, just the system in general. I mean, you know, when I was there, Chip, you know, it's just run downhill, run the ball. You know, we had mid zone, outside zone. He kind of had a little bit of mix of everything. So you know, I give credit to him to just giving me a little, little taste of every single thing that they got to offer. So, um, but I mean, it could be changed now, but (laughs) during my time, you know, that's all it was. But it was fun.
0: Always, always loved the Bruins. So, what was your favorite NFL team
1: growing up? Uh, never, never really had a favorite NFL team. I was kind of the player that would follow players and stuff like that. You know, running back was the position I wanted to play just growing up. So who'd you follow? I a lot of, def- yeah, I definitely watched a lot of uh, LT. I watched a lot of Adrian Peterson, mm. just uh, Nick Chubb, just players like that. Awesome, my friend. Well, it's rubbed off.
0: Uh, before I let you go, you got New Orleans and the Rams tonight, both seven and seven. I've said I like a Ram win there because the Saints are behind you in the standings, although you all have the same record uh what do you think about this matchup tonight and are you does it matter to you who wins or does it just matter what you guys are doing
1: yeah I mean definitely at the end of the day you know we got to win out so that that much doesn't matter to us you know we're focused on each and every single day each and every single matchup that we come up with and you know, we're just going to put our heads down and work and then just see where it is at the end of the season.
0: I will vote for the Rams then tonight, just for, for, for everyone's <laughs> sake, you. my friend. My friend. <laughs> I just think I know what you mean. you got to win out. But, okay, if, if it's going to keep the Saints behind you, let's keep the Saints behind you. So, uh, thank you, man. What a, what a pleasure it is. I say I watch you every week, and the chance to talk to you is a is a, a thrill and a pleasure, Zach. Thank you, buddy. Enjoy the rest of your first year. You don't look like a rookie, man. Enjoy the rest of your first year. I appreciate it. I. Zach Charbonneau, second-round pick at a USCLA. And, yeah, every time he gets the ball, I mean, I'm expecting things now. 4.3-yard average, 428 yards, 99 carries on the ground, a fine compliment to Walker. If you can put a guy in there behind Walker, it always seems that the Hawks have a pretty good one-two punch when it comes to uh, that at least has been the goal. If you're going to pull somebody off, somebody's got to be in there that you can count on, and right now that's Charbonneau behind Walker. Walker's got 720 yards along the ground. He's Got almost twice as many carries as Charbonneau, sitting on 428 yards, averaging 4-3 a carry. Uh, he's been terrific, terrific uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. It's Seattle and Tennessee taking on 5-9 and nine Tennessee at 10 a.m. Titans are on a – three and seven run they lost to houston last week seattle schedule at tennessee hosting seven and seven pittsburgh there's that seven and seven record again then at for their final game of the year december 31st final game of the regular at arizona arizona's three and 11 check that december 31st is the pittsburgh game january 7th is the arizona game but tennessee five and nine pittsburgh seven and seven arizona three and 11 there's wins in there right I would hope so. There's two in there anyway, and then you look at that Pittsburgh game, but you just got to get in. And at the moment, the Seahawks, one of five teams at 7-7, seven and seven, are in a playoff position. Brooke Ward in for Dodd and Drance, in for the double Ds here. More Canuck talk coming on the way. NHL talk next, To Sarah Sivian is going to join us. The Canucks in Dallas tonight, the OV situation. NHL Talk with Sarah Sivian. She's from BR Open Ice, Too Many Men podcast, EP Rinkside. You can't stop Sivian. She's everywhere, and she's on our station next. I am Brooke Ward. The Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Stay with us. This is the pride of the Sportsnet Radio Network. This is Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This hour brought to you by Avenue Machinery, Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. You can find them at dleamc.com. Glad to have you aboard. Uh, Canucks and Dallas today at 5 o'clock. The inbox, 650, 650, Dunbar Lumber is busy uh one said hey it's supposed to be canuck talk it's game day what are we doing here yeah it's brook in today and i'm in for your regulars so uh we're uh we're christmas side dooring it, christmas week side dooring it for you uh dranton daughter off today so uh a bit of a change-up for you over the next two hours i got another one in here brook ward hosting that is the bottom of the barrel i can't believe you've done that for rick Dollywall. never heard of him uh Sarah Sivian. We've heard of her, though. She's with us. NHL, BR, Open Ice, Too Many Men podcast, EP, Rinkside. She's everywhere. Now she's here. Hi, Sarah. Hey, hey.
2: How's it going? Hey,
0: hey. It's going okay. Where are you today, Sarah?
2: I'm in Boston. That's where I'm living these days.
0: Wow. Beautiful downtown Boston. And the Bruins are still, I'm going to ask you about the Canucks in a moment, but the Bruins are still, how do they do it every year? How do they do it every year? Because not everybody can, but every year Boston's right there.
2: David Pasternak and two of the best goalies in the league. It's really as simple as that.
0: Yes. Uh, What about their depth, though? I do want to ask you about their depth, because over the years, Marchand's still there, but when they do lose parts, Mm -hmm. they seem to be able to replace them after the, I'll go back to 2011 again, or uh, after that with the Canucks, they fell back a little bit, Sarah, then regrouped, whereas the Canucks didn't. What was Boston doing back then to allow them to regroup so much?
2: I guess it's really like a testament to the system and kind of upholding a reputation. Like when you got guys like Bergeron and Chara who are still sticking around and still hang out at the rink and stuff, they kind of instill, I don't know, that's kind of like an intangible and a little cliche, but at the same time, they aren't drafting well. So it's like, I can't point to like, oh, they're really good at drafting because they aren't. So I'm really tempted to just say it's the system and wanting to be respectable.
0: Yeah, interesting, because the Canucks over the years, they hadn't drafted well either, but they just yeah. went in the opposite direction, and Boston regrouped in a hurry. So Cam Neely and all those guys, whoever's running the show there, they know what they're doing. Expectations from Bruin fans, is it still always to be at the top of the heap?
2: Yes. Oh, yes. And it's hard to even enjoy it, because <laughs> it's kind of the opposite of, maybe, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of the opposite of the Canucks right now with the fan bases, where it's like the Bruins fans are just not impressed with the regular season after, especially a historic regular season. Last season, it's like they want the team to start losing so they can face adversity and go far in the playoffs. I mean, you see that recently with President's Trophy winners. So it's just, there's a little anxiety around here for sure that shouldn't happen, but kind of is valid at the same time.
0: Wow. Well, we could send you a prescription for that because we're all over that, <laughs> usually every year. Yeah. Uh, but the Canucks this year, then, yeah, the, the fan base is giddy. Mm-hmm. I look at them in the standings and uh, and game in, game out, they're playing well. But part of the old me wants to say, how long could they continue to do yeah. this? But they're a pretty solid-looking team. But from your side looking in, what do you think about what you've seen from the Canucks?
2: It's just so complete. And it's things you thought, like Brock Besser, for example, was capable of his whole career that has been kind of a disappointment. It's like, oh the reason why there shouldn't be anxiety is because it's like people are actually living up to what they were supposed to do all along. And it's like, things are clicking. It's not like someone, I mean, maybe JT Miller, but it's like, it's not random what's happening. It's been so disappointing in the past because they were supposed to be a better team. And on paper, it looked like they were going to be the team that they now are. Um, Obviously you just look at offense. They're leading everyone in goals per game. And then you look at defense, the goal has been fantastic. You got, Quinn Hughes, now you got size with the fedora. Of, it's like you got everything.
0: Yeah, everything. It looks good right now. I, I don't even want to say that. I don't want to jinx them. Uh, but it looks good. I don't know. I mentioned earlier it could be a short window because a couple of years from now, again, they've got a lot of unrestricted free agents that, that they'd have to keep or replace, and do they have money to do that. But while you're here with your nose up against the salary cap, it, it sure beats losing. Uh, is Quinn Hughes, is he is well-known around the league, as he is here in Vancouver and in certain, uh, certainly in the West, but he's, he is well-known over the last couple of years, uh, Sarah, out East?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely, especially for college hockey lovers like myself. I yeah. mean, got to love that. And like short king lovers like myself also. It's, I, I love the surge of shorter defensemen that are really just amazing playmakers. I don't know, especially with the Hughes brothers. That's just a fantastic story, but he is well-known. I mean, the Canucks had a few years there where it was just kind of brutal to pay attention because they'd look so promising and then not, but now it's like, okay, we can all enjoy this. And people definitely know him. And it's kind of like, Oh yeah, he's maybe it's less of like discovering him now, but more like, Oh yeah, he is good. And here he is again.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I hear you. Well, it will be interesting playoff time. Uh, and I think the Canucks are locked to make the playoffs here, but, uh, uh playoff time to see if their size becomes an issue unless they beef up a little bit over the rest of the hall here because you gotta be big and strong and tough in the playoffs too so that jury's still out. So we'll keep an eye on that. Sarah Sivian is with us from NHLBR Open Ice Too Many Men a podcast. EP rinkside if you're just joining us, Sarah said a moment ago Canucks were definitely Stanley Cup finalists. Thank you for that, Sarah. <laughs> Appreciate you saying that.
2: Uh, <laughs> I genuinely believe it though. I think they have that spark this year, but I genuinely believe that.
0: Okay, good. There's a believer right there. Uh, what do you think about Ovi? What's going on with Ovechkin?
2: What is it? A 14 game oh. goalless streak right now, which is his worst since his worst ever, and his worst since 2017 when it was only 10 games. I think you just look at the team around him. That is a bad, <laughs> a bad team, and he is trying to pick up slack because you got to remember, like an NHL player wants to compete especially somebody like him who's used to doing that almost every year so he's been picking up slack I think like in the periphery and I think he's still taking these shots but I opponents now don't have to cover his other good teammates like they had to in the past so now they're all on him Mm. and it's like the shots are getting blocked so maybe I don't know it's tough because I still do believe he's going to break the goal record but it's such an outlier in his career that it is, it gives you pause and you think when he gets the goal, he's going to get going again, but it is alarming that it's like you used to be able to say like, okay, you can know where Obi's going to be in that uh, circle, but you still can't defend it. Now it's a matter of like, you can defend it and they need, better players around him again
0: very interesting and good point there too yeah you can load up on him now because you don't have as many other players to worry about does he look he looks the same speed to me I mean does he look like he's slowing down to you like like literally slowing down at all
2: no and he's never been that fast if you ask Mm -hmm. me I, I think he could just literally hang out like there were memes about he would just hang out in that circle and it didn't even matter he'd just get fed the puck and do his one timer but it's just now That actually is reason for optimism. That it doesn't look like he's slowing down. You're right. It's more about like the people around him, and he can pick it back up once he kind of either maybe learns a new trick, like an old dog learning a new trick, or somebody else around him
0: becomes dangerous again. I hear you. He's just got to be. I wonder what's going on between the ears of him right now, though. Very, very, never gone through this ever before. So very interesting (laughs) to see how he he handles this more than anything, learn something else about him. Uh, Before I let you go, I just wanted to drop this on you. There's been a few, not a ton, I guess, but a few controversial hits again, whether it hits from behind or headshots or whatever lately. And uh, the Frontier League justice still, when, players will go and say, you can't do that, so they're going to try and punch you out. Are you in favor of that frontier justice, or has that time passed, do you think, in the NHL?
2: I think players get players like Ryan Reeves, for instance, get brought on teams to do that, and then they get criticized when they don't do that, but then they get criticized Mm -hmm. when they do. And it's kind of like, I'd like to see it being phased out, but I think the league actually needs to adjust to the rule book and make things a little more specific with the definition of a clean or a dirty hit. And I think we get into sometimes there are hits that are nasty, but are still legal. Like Jacob Truba is a good offender of this. Somebody who walks on the line of um, dirty or clean, but he's usually within the rule book, but the rule book needs to change a little bit. And maybe the vigilante justice situation will go away. I think it's like a league at the top of the league
0: thing first. Yeah, if you throw me out for a month, if I do something like that, then maybe you will have guys not looking for revenge. But basically, if you're not going to throw me out for a month, then you're going to intentionally, like some of the hits, the intentionally run me from behind. I don't have a problem with someone going. And if you're going to turtle and not fight back, well, then stop throwing those hits. So, uh, But I'm old.
2: Agreed.
0: I'm old, Sarah. I'm, Thanks, I'm Sarah. I'm old
2: now, too, and you, I agree.
0: You, you can't be old. You can't be. I am. I know what old is. Uh, thank you, Sarah. Appreciate it. Again, she says the Canucks are going to the Stanley Cup final. so you, you're going to you go back in the tape. You'll hear her okay. say that clearly. Uh, she, to be fair, Sarah said they're a threat. They're a threat to make some noise. Uh, thanks, Sarah. Appreciate it. Have a Merry Christmas, will you?
2: You too. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you, Sarah Sivian, the pride of NHLBR Open Ice, Too Many Men podcast, EP, Rinkside as well. Don't know what's going on with Ovi. He's just sitting there choking on five goals. Interesting that some have said, what's he, 60-odd goals away from Gretzky's record at 892? Some have said he will stick around forever. He wants that record. He will stick around forever to get it. And he might. But if you give Ovi eh, back-to-back. 10, 15-goal seasons, as example, if that's what he's now looking at. And I can't imagine if he doesn't get 25 by the end of the year, even though he's sitting on five now. But if you give Ovi a lot of pride, too, you give him back-to-back 15-goal seasons, Ovi might be going, I'm not going to stick around two or three more years to limp into 10-goal seasons just to catch Gretzky. There's pride of the line. When Gretzky, who was well ahead of everybody, of course, when Gretzky retired, he came off a nine-goal season. And he could have come back and played. He still had assists. He was still able to play, keep up, set up guys. He didn't have the hands anymore. He, I had a nine-goal season. It was time to retire from a guy who what, had 92 one year. Now I got nine. So there is your pride as well. If On the Wayne front, maybe may be different if he was chasing somebody by 50 goals, if he was chasing Gordy by 50, but I don't think so. I think Wayne was just, once I got down to nine, Myself, as a little beer league hockey player, once I used to think, you know what, I used to stop that shot, and then they kept going past me. I thought I used to stop the – I quit playing. I was just playing beer league too. I just thought, first of all, I'm going to get – I played goal. That one's going to hit me now when I used to get out of the way of it. I don't want that. But I used to stop those. And so, ah, if I can't stop the ones that I – am supposed to and used to, I don't want to really do this anymore. So that was that. Some people just keep going. Ovi might be a keep going type of guy. However, Ovi also could be a guy who goes, you know, if I, if he gets 15 on the year for Ovi, it's one of the most interesting stories in the league. How low does Ovi have to fly if it continues into next year, through this year to into next year, how low, Does he have to be to the ground before he goes, okay, I'm just going to land the plane. I'm done. Wheels are down. Flaps are up. I'm walking off the plane and not getting back on it. Pride plays a factor. Speaking of pride, great segue, Brooke. Kuzmenko. Healthy scratch again tonight for the Canucks. Kuzmenko. Unbelievable how much. Like, he's not going anywhere. But what's going on through his ears, if you're Kuzmenko right now? I don't know what's going on through his ears. Back-to-back scratches, and, you know, why would, if I'm talking, why would I put you in the lineup right now? Back-to-back games with goals recently, but. Then he needs more. Still was getting power play time, but. You know, one of the things you know, many have talked about. The uh, was it the the ducktail? I want to say it's the ducktail slap on the ice. It's probably the wrong term. The beaver tail. Thank you. I guess ducktails don't slap their tail very often. The beaver tail slap of the ice in the defensive zone, instead of checking or skating or catching up, looking for slap my stick on the ice and looking for the pass looking for the opponent to drop it to me, and then I can go the other way. One of Kozmenko's defensive theories, defensive challenges, the thing in his defensive zone that he thinks this is going to get me the puck. That's my strategy. He does it in the offensive zone, too. He does it in the neutral zone. He does it in every zone, which is – not as bad offensively, but I notice the next time he plays, assuming there's a next time, I will watch for this as well. Lately, I watched him in the offensive zone as well with the beaver tail slap the moment he gets rid of the puck, any puck, any time. So if he's passing off on a power play, which was what he was getting, passing off on a power play to Hughes, the moment, I don't think the puck hit Hughes' tape before Kozmenko was slapping his stick on the ice wanting it back. He wants the puck, but I was watching that and one shifted over and over and over again. The moment he got rid of the puck, if he skated three feet, tap, 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 give it back, give it back, give it back, give it back. Now, if I'm confident I can score, and I do score, okay, but I was starting to think his teammates are probably tired. Oh, there's the Ovi, there, or there's the Ovi. There's the Kozmenko, if I said Ovi, forgive me, the Kozmenko beaver tail slap. I might have said Ovi more than once in there. Forgive me. But the Kuzmenko beaver tail slap. In the offensive zone, I I bet his teammates are just ignoring him with it now. The moment it's off his stick, I want it back. I want it back. I want it back. Slap, slap, slap. And more often than not, he doesn't get it back. Guys are going different directions with it. And often he's not even maybe in a good position to get it back. And if it's Kuzmenko in a playmaking position – That's not his forte anyway. So do I want to give it to you? No. I'll try and get it to you, if and when. But a healthy scratch again, Kuzmenko. And if I'm just thinking back to last year, and my memory is subject to dysfunction, weren't most of his goals, or many of them, scored down low, close to the net? If I remember correctly, it seems to me he was scoring most of his goals in tight. I don't think it was, you know, like Pedersen the, from the OV spot with that shot or high slot. He scored a couple goals recently, by the way. I think the last two he scored were actually coming in on the rush from well out, and he sniped. But it seems to me most of his goals, I hesitate to say garbage goals last year, but they were down low near the blue paint, and he looks allergic to the blue paint this year. I might be wrong. But that's where he was last year. Down low, snooping around the crease. Seems to me he got a, did a lot of damage from there. This year, nowhere near the blue paint. Certainly not often enough. Calling in the caribou. The Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650. I have zero issue with Kuzmenko being a healthy scratch. He's the only guy on the team not buying into the system. And they've been getting it done without him. So that's not a bad thing. And Colin, you're on. He's not buying into the system or capable of buying into this, capable of doing the system, or just doesn't want to buy into the system. And you do get that a lot. People who just do not want to buy into the system. Covey or Kuz. There I put Ovechkin and, and Kuz together. Covey. Kuzvechkin are both having trouble scoring goals. Kuzmenko has more, though. If I told you by the time we got to December that Kuzmenko would be outscoring Ovi, you'd be thinking, because what's, what's Kuzmenko got, 30 already? Yeah, if you're Kuzmenko, I, I'm out, I got more than Ovi. And look at all. He, he plays in the top line. I don't play on the top line. He doesn't get scratched. I get scratched. So there's that. Greg in Vancouver, Obi, 38 years old. Everyone slows down by 38, including Obi. Small difference make a big difference in ability to get off shots at the NHL level. Greg in Vancouver says OV will not break the record. The thing is, he slowed down so suddenly that that's why you're wondering, is it just an off year? Is he dealing with something we don't know about? Is it just an off year? Because players, just what everybody, they'll have an off year. Because at thirty seven, Ovechkin was still filling the net, but at thirty eight, all of a sudden, boom, breaks. The breaks are on. So that's what the, on the Ovechkin front has me thinking that uh, it's just so sudden that. It, are we allowed to use the S word, the slump word? It's just he's slump. he's in a slump. Never been through one before, but he's in a slump. That could It could be as simple as that with Ovechkin because at 37, he's still filling the net, and at 38, it's just over that quickly. And I agree with uh, our, uh, our contributor at 650, 650 on the text inbox that people slow down. But to go from 37 to 38 and just hit a wall is beyond me. Now, others might say, you know what, I'll go back to 2019-20 season. He had 48. He had 24 in 45 games the next year. He had 50 two years ago. Down to 42, albeit in 73 games last year. But you could sort of go, well, okay, 50 to 42 to 5 is a large drop, but you can see the trend. If you want to talk about the trend, yeah, but two years ago, we had 50 goals, still 42 last year to five is remarkable for Ovechkin, frankly. That's some wall that I've just hit, if you're Ovechkin, and he must be just wondering what the heck's going on. Ovi's missing Backstrom. That's in the inbox, and that's true. We just were talking about that moment ago with uh, Sarah, that he doesn't have the cast around him right now. Kuzmenko needs some waffles. Yeah, he's too healthy now. You get those bananas going again. There's nothing wrong with a banana, though. but Kuzmenko just did, does appear as unwilling or unable to buy into forechecking or backchecking or going in the corner. It's never been his game. Maybe he just doesn't know how to do it, but you think, well, I, I can learn, can't I? Eh. I would, I would assume in Kozmenko's head is they are not using me correctly. I'm not playing with the right players. And I'm not getting the ice time I used to. And I'm getting press box time. And that's affecting my confidence. And all those things could be very true. It's just that when you get on the ice, then you got to do what the coaches want you to. If you just think, well, my, my game is not tailored to checking. And there's been a lot of players in the league through the years that their game's not tailored to checking. However, if Rick Tockett is my coach and I'm not tailored to checking, I'm going to find myself eating press box popcorn. But if you're, you could, hey, man, I went and worked out. Other guys I've seen too. Look at my body. I've gone and worked out. I changed everything. I changed the diet. And then they're just not the same, actually, as they were. Go ahead, get flabby. Go all Phil Kessel on me. Give me the Kyle Wellwood. You'll be fine. But Kozmenko, it's not his game. And now I've got the big contract, and it might be, well, you guys are messing with me and all the things I've said. You're not playing with the right guys, yada, yada. And that's the reason I'm having problems. Into the inbox. You know, sometimes some of these come in unsigned. I don't care if you sign them. If you sign them, I'll drop your name out there in the radio world. But... Others will say, sign your text, sign your text. Ta- I need you to sign your text, sign your text. And I've, I've often thought, I don't care who sent it. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me if you sign your text or not. I'll give you street cred if you do, but I, if you don't, I don't care. Not like I'm not going to read it. The game after Kuzmenko's first two-game healthy scratch stand, his teammates absolutely were looking for him. Tremendous player. They had patience for him to put it together. But past a certain point, you either buy in or you ship out. And... It's kind of where Kuz is right now, waiting for injuries to get back into the game. He will get other chances with Vancouver, but at 5000000 million-plus that he's making now, hey, he could just be Krutov, content with the money. I'm good enough, man. I don't think he's Vladimir Krutov, but I, I'm, I'm good on that. Where's the diner? Otherwise, because Kuzmenko could be, well, you're not playing me, and all the reasons I just gave you, all these things that could be true in his head. Yet he's sitting back going, well, whatever then, man. Pay me five mil. I'll just sit up here and eat the popcorn. He could be a whatever kind of guy. And Actually, I don't want to. I'm not saying he is. I'm saying he could be. And I don't want a lot of whatever kind of guys on my team as well. So we'll find out more as the Coos situation rolls along. He's outscoring Ovechkin. There's a feather in the cap. When we come back, Barkley Parnetta is going to join us. More hockey talk. He's with the Vancouver Giants. He's their general manager. The Giants are on Christmas break. Everyone in junior hockey is, and the Giants are in a playoff position as we speak. More on that in a moment with Barkley, more Canuck Top coming your way as well. And more in but in fact, I threaten to open the phone lines up next hour. I threaten to open the phone lines up next hour. In fact, I will and give you a chance. So I'll fire the phone number at you. Because I don't know it, frankly. I'll fire the phone number at you after the break. Stay with us, Brooke, in for Don and Drantz. Oh, one more quick one here. Brooke, you're terrible. I can't believe. I'll read the bad ones, too. This one is signed. I can't believe they put you in the slot. Honestly, really, are they out of ideas at the station? That's from Thomas and Jamie. I don't know. First names only. Stay with us. I'm Brooke Ward. This is Sportsnet 650. Second half kickoff here. Hour two of two. Brooke in for the Canuck dudes today, Dranson Dodd. Same story tomorrow. Tell a friend, warn a friend. Elan Clark here riding shotgun. Elan, you're doing well? Survived the first hour? Yeah, I love having you back on, bro. Man, I brought Christmas gifts today. You Clearly, you're thinking there's going to be more tomorrow. You're not here tomorrow, though, are you? I got Fast Eddie tomorrow. Oh, well, so much for that. Nice of you, though, buddy. Inbox being very kind to me. I thank you very much. Dunbar Lumber, text line 650-650. You pick the topic. Also, in a few minutes, I'm going to open up the phone board. Because, yes, I dare to do that. The number when I tell you to call is 604-280-0650. You pick the topic. But don't call. well you could call now. Elon like could put you on you yeah, like could put you on hold. Jan Pro this hour brought to you by Jan Pro, the leader in commercial cleaning. Keep your workspace safe during this flu season by trusting Jan Pro's EnviroShield disinfection service. You're going to need that here before Drantz and Dodd come back. Let me tell you, JanPro.ca is the place to go, the place to be. And we're getting a few people calling early. Just put Elan to work over here, putting people on hold, too. you going to make him mad at me eventually. Uh, anyway, Barkley Parnetta. Oh, by the way, post-game show tonight. I just realized this, actually. The pregame game show's at 4. The post-game show, right after the hockey game today at 5 o'clock start, is brought to you by our friends at the number 5. Is that the number 5? The number 5. And coincidentally, Barkley Parnetta from the Giants. He's brought to you by the Number Five as well. Hi, Barkley. Uh, number Five, like wh- what's that? I don't know you don't know. There's a plaque of you on the wall at the Number Five. I've never heard of that place. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't think anyway. so. Anyway, I haven't been Brooke, to the, I haven't been to the I, Five in a long time, mind you. I w- but I used to be a regular. I could listen to your voice all day. You have one of the best radio voices, bar none. Very sultry and. Just soothing, my friend. You're too kind, my brother. Uh, but, uh, you know, try and get me hired. That'd be nice. <laughs> Anyone want to give me a gig, that'd be okay. But, no, this is great. Also, noon to two, got to tell you, Barkley, noon to two, hello. Like, wh- who do you have to have pictures of to get this show? Noon to two every day? Huh. <laughs> Perfect. Well, hey. You're on the air, though, buddy. That's the main thing. Thank you, buddy. And speak, are, how are you feeling about your Vancouver Giants? We're at the Christmas break. They're in a playoff position right now. How do you feel about the, where, where your Giants are right now, Barkley? Well,
3: happy that we're in that position going in. I
0: I would I, be lying if
3: I said we didn't fall a little bit short of where I thought we should be. Um, obviously, there's circumstances that change things as the course of the season goes on, and you know the biggest one not having Samuel Honzik for. A long period of time, and I think that the people that came to the games that saw him play, uh, you know, the five games he played for us, it's a different team with him. And then, obviously, he's off to World Juniors. So uh, I'm happy with how we finished. You know, we we had a, a rough night against Prince George, but to win two to three that weekend, that's a good way to go in the holidays and to build from.
0: Well, you started the weekend, and yeah, I take two or three, and then Prince George, uh, our Prince George, a nine-two win on the Saturday night. But two wins over Seattle, a team you were behind in the playoff hunt before those two wins. Now you're a couple points in front of them. I mean, that's just huge. Got to feel good for the boys going home with that.
3: Yeah, for sure. And like I said, going with some confidence and come back and hopefully carry that momentum. But you know, I think that for me as a, as a general manager, it's it's still evolving. I, I want to. I'd like to see. uh a little more of an identity coming and I think it's coming. And uh, I think that's something that this second half should establish. Uh, and we'll sort of see some other players start to be a little more comfortable when you have first time players in the league, often as you lead up to that Christmas break, it it starts to wear on them and there it's been a long grind for a lot of these kids and it's new to them. And, and they sort of go home and get re-energized and regenerated and come back with a sort of fresh, uh, excited, excited, sort of outlook and ready to go so hopefully that's the case
0: yeah after the break they can see some light at the end of the tunnel too I mean a lot of these you have a young team you got 16 year olds first year 17 year old players this is a job basically isn't it Barkley like I mean especially with their they have schooling they have to do as well they're not just coming out of a lower level of hockey where they you know might play twice a week maybe and practice four days a week. I mean this is a full-time job for these kids and I can imagine it would wear on some younger players
4: it
3: is, but that's why it's the best preparation if you want to become an AHL player. The amount of effort, time, and, and concentration that these kids go through when they come through the WHL really helps set them up for really good success at that next level. Like The academic side of um, X's and O's now is incredibly difficult. It's not something that I think any sort of layman could just sit down and pick it up. Uh, there's a lot of systems, a lot of changes there's triggers for everything and you need to know what to do when that trigger happens and where to go. And if you're not paying attention or you're not able to pick it up, you kind of get left behind.
0: Who of the young players have dazzled you?
3: Well, you know what? I'm really happy with the whole group. Obviously uh, the guy that pops the most would be Cameron Schmidt. He scored the golden goal at the U-17s and he's certainly electric and exciting to watch. Uh, But I'm proud of all the young guys. You know what? It's a big jump for these kids to come in, especially on a team that, it kind of has a lot of people their age. Typically, you know, a lot of teams might only have one 16 year old. Some of them have none. We've got four. So for those guys to sort of be playing on the ice at the surface, the same nights, uh, I- I'm really proud of all of them. You know, Aaron, about Ob- has really had a good, good season. Oreskovic is finding his way Alain And, and I think that even uh, Matthew Hutchison, the goaltender, even though it was a, a rough goal against PG, he had two really good games leading up to that that, you know what, you can see some uh, a lot of positive things in, in what we're going to have.
0: Yeah, Adam Tittleback as well has played very well, and uh, you got a game out of uh, your first-round draft pick this year, Ryan Lynn as well, and he looked good yep. too. So, But Hutchinson, I did want to ask you that. Mirwald, your 20-year-old in goal, and then often teams don't want to waste a 20-year-old position in goal because they'd like to use it elsewhere. But the upside is that as well, Mirwald's been terrific, and Hutchinson gets to learn from this 20-year-old. Yes,
3: But you know what? At the same time, I still want to see Hutch push this guy just because he's 20 and is the goalie of the week going into Christmas. That doesn't mean that Hutch can be complacent and that competitive sort of environment and and supporting each other at the same time is always good. But it definitely, you know, uh, Brett got to learn from Jesper and hopefully Brett's passing that down to Matthew sort of preparation. And it's such a mental position that it can be a really difficult spot. I, I, I do sort of argue with people sometimes uh, it, as much as we have goalie coaches and development, it, it, when it comes to game time, the development uh, doesn't matter as much in your goalie. It's more about the performance because if you can't stop the puck, you don't get the opportunity to develop to be in the net. So it's kind of a catch-22, and, and we have to balance that and teach the young goalie on – to deal with this and, and sort of evolve to become the guy that we
0: think he could i hear you uh barkley parnetta gm of the vancouver giants for a couple more minutes here giants after the christmas break back on home ice the 27th of december wednesday victorian town i keep telling people this by the way barkley that when i was a kid there was nothing more exciting than getting a couple of tickets to a game under the christmas tree whether it was the canucks the blazers back then the uh new west bruins the vancouver Nats, or something it was the coolest thing i hope people will buy into this then for the kids too that getting tickets to a hockey game did you have that same thrill growing up
4: i I
3: did you know what i was fortunate you know when i was younger i used to watch richmond sockeyes a lot i used to go out and watch new west bruins when i was a kid and and then i was able to play in in the bc hockey league and a very small if maybe a drop of of coffee in the whl so yeah it meant a lot to me and having that available like with young families, like it's a great atmosphere. It's an intimate environment where you're really close to the players. You're not far from them. Uh, it really is a, a great atmosphere in Langley, and it's certainly worth uh, the tickets for a Christmas gift or a family coming out just for a great night. It, it, it's an entertaining place. Uh, the LED is fantastic, and it's exciting. So and hopefully the performance on ice, Uh, goes hand in hand with what's going on in the
0: stands yeah i just if if a last minute christmas idea you're thinking i need one more little thing oh trust me folks it'll be an eye opener for the kids uh just want to ask you before you leave on the other side of the uh, christmas break too and then after the world juniors hanzik does come back to you full time what difference does that make for your hockey club you're in a playoff spot now because he's worth like 10 points. You'd have 10 more points in the standings, I think, if he's playing and earlier this year when he was hurt, Barkley. So what? how much of a difference will that make for you in the second half? A huge difference.
3: Uh, we expect Sam to join us uh, on our eastern swing there. So I think he's flying into Regina on the 11th and should be playing in the Moose Jaw game. So I, I think having a, a set roster puts everybody in the right spots, and it just makes it easier for everybody to do what they need to do in order to sort of move forward.
0: From Sweden to Regina and then to Moose Jaw, that is living, let me it tell you. It sure is. It sure is. All right. We'll go tour Al Capone's caves. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that'd be great, man. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'll look for you at the number five next time I'm there, pal. Uh, so uh, if not, I'll look for your plaque. Yeah,
4: okay. Thanks, Barkley.
0: <laughs> All right, Brooke, thank you. Barkley Parnetta, GM of the Vancouver Giants. And the Giants again, Christmas break. Victoria, the 27th. The arch rival Royals, the former Chilliwack Chiefs, taking on the Giants on Wednesday, the 27th. First game after the break for the Giants. Get your tickets. VancouverGiants.com slash tickets. Make it happen. Make it happen. It's a cool thing. You can phone me. Phone lines are open right now, believe it or not. Just want to see. If I get, like, two calls, I'll call that victory. One call feels like a tie. I don't want to go into a shootout. We get a couple of calls here. I would consider that full victory here. It's 604-280-0650. One will break the shutout, but I really, you know, I'm looking for like a 2-1 game here without going into extra time. Loser points, they're not for me. So you can do some damage on the phone board. Gobble up a phone line on any topic. the Megco situation. Someone in the uh, inbox. Number five is a strip club, LOL. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Trust me, I know. Uh, And uh, I used to know anyway. It's been a long time since I rock and rolled. Kozmenko's situation with Vancouver. The Canucks and Dallas today. Dallas six behind Vancouver in the West. They have games in hand. We have the Canucks soaring and staying away from major injuries right now. They have some defensive injuries they've had. Soucy, the main one. But other than that, the Canucks have stayed away from injuries. It was thought Peterson might be banged up early this year, but he's coming on now. Everyone else, all the key components. Besser hasn't got hurt yet. How about that? You've gotten to Christmas, and Besser hasn't got hurt yet because he has not made it through a full season yet. All these things. The Canucks have built enough cushion to outlast injuries, but you would assume some are coming. So your second half Canucks can they be as good as the first half Canucks have been? Because the first half Canucks have been like they just—they're so hard to beat. They—you just can feel the victory, even when the, if they're down one or two nothing, you can feel. I said to my wife, "It's two nothing the other way. Canucks will win this." Uh, how do you know? You can feel it. Canucks win it. Let's hit the phone board. Tony, you've broken the shutout, my friend. Go ahead. You're on Sportsnet 650. Luck buddy, how's it going? Swell, buddy. Better now that you're here.
4: All right. All right. Hey, first of all, it's not. It wasn't the uh, the Chilliwack Chiefs, remember? It was the Bruins.
0: Oh, there you go. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for helping me with that. The Chiefs were BC <laughs> hockey. Chiefs were BC hockey league, weren't they? That's right.
4: That's right. There you go. Chilliwack hey, and, uh, Bruins
0: moved to Victoria. Thank you, pal. Hey, I I, I want them to
4: trade I got He's finally got great guy to watch, but. You know the team is, is so far away from winning, and like just get some more draft picks, some more young players. They need some. They just need some quality nineteen year olds who can put the puck in the net. Like you know, like you look at Wheatcroft last year and stuff like that. Like, they, need, they need. They don't have that type of guy.
0: They don't have a a lot of experience with their nineteen year olds, or at least guys who are difference makers with their nineteen year olds for the most part.
4: Absol- yeah, absolutely. And- like Langkow, Cull.
0: I think Lipinski and then uh, Lipinski, one other guy. Lipinski, 18, right at the moment. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, and Ron Toigo had told me a couple of weeks ago on the White Spot Giants This Week show. He said that 2019 draft, they didn't have a first-rounder and their two second-rounders didn't show. He said that's hurting them now because that's supposed to be their 19-year-olds that have the experience that everyone can follow. But on the Hanzik front, I mean, they're going to keep him because they want to make the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, interesting moving forward. They've loaded up with so many draft picks over the last couple of years, Tony. I don't see him moving Hanzik because he's going to really help him cook in the second half. But that's an interesting concept. If uh, But they already picked up nine draft picks over the last couple of years. So I don't know at the moment if they think they need more.
4: Well, why, why lose – like, you're just going to lose Hanzik anyway. Like, he's going to play whatever – uh, twenty games or something, and then and then maybe a few games of playoffs, and then he's, then you lose them.
0: Yeah, like, I don't know what. I'd, it,
4: I'd rather have. I'd rather you trade him and try to get maybe an eighteen-year-old or something. Like I know he's hard to trade because he's a year old, but he's just a, he's a quality hockey player, and like they're so far, they're, they're they're lucky if they make the playoffs.
0: Yeah, thank you, Tony. Appreciate your call. We'll see what they do. I don't think they're gonna move him. But it is very interesting. If you think he's not coming back next year and you're not having a good second half, then you would maybe look at moving him. If if you haven't seen Hansik play, you've got to get out there and see him. He's going to be a player. I don't know if he's a Calgary Flame next year, but he's he's a player, and he's going to be a player, first-round draft pick. Uh, Paul, thanks, man. You beat the over-under. Paul, thanks for joining us here, my brother. Oh, Paul, you left. The over-under was one. I'm so excited. Paul was there. I got you fast, buddy. Anyway, if you want to join us, the over-under's won. We've met the over-under. There's money on it in Vegas. Looking for that second call. I was very excited that we had Paul going. 604-280-0650, the number to call. Uh, Giants back in action, as mentioned. On Wednesday, the 27th, against the former Chilliwack Bruins, who now call Victoria home. You can text us anytime. The Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650, Canucks. And Dallas tonight, the official pregame show coming your way at 4 o'clock today. 5 o'clock game here on Sportsnet. Stars 18-8-4. 40 points. They're tied for second in the center with Colorado. Winnipeg jumped ahead of both teams with a win yesterday. What's up with the Jets? They're playing better than I thought. Winnipeg leading the Central with 41. Stars... Uh, are next with Colorado at 40. Dallas coming off a 4-1 over Seattle. They're 4-4 four and four in their last eight, so they're ripe for the pick, and they won 3-4. but they're four, so maybe not so ripe, actually. They're ripening. They've won 3-4, 4-4 four, four and four in their last eight, so there maybe they've turned it around a little bit. They lost their number one goaltender, Jade Ottinger, recently with a lower body injury a week ago. But Scott Wedgwood, and I haven't had an update on as yet, but Wedgwood replaced him. And has basically done nothing but win. 7-1-2 and on the year with a 906 save percentage for Wedgwood. This guy been around, by the way. The past eight years, I'm going back to 2000. Not every year in the NHL. He had AHL years in there. But Wedgwood, who is, I would assume, the likely starter against Vancouver tonight. 7-1-2, a 906 save percentage. Been around the league since 2015. He's been in New Jersey, then to Arizona, back to New Jersey, then to Dallas, back to Arizona, and now back to Dallas. He was with the Stars two years ago, and he's some AHL years. there. He's the suitcase. He's been everywhere. The Canucks points in seven straight. They've won six of them. They're flying. They're storing. They're playoff locks, folks. Write it down a few days before Christmas. And the Stars offensively are still led by Joe Pavelski. I say still, not that he's been in Dallas forever, but still Pavelski's putting up points. 30 games this year, Pavelski's 13 goals, 16 assists. Robertson's got 10 goals and 18 helpers. DeShane's got 10 goals and 17 helpers. Jamie Ben is he in the Ovechkin category? He's finally slowing down. He's 34 years old, but five goals and 16 assists. Respectable, but not Jamie Ben numbers that we've come to expect for a former Art Ross winner over the years. He may be doing other things for Dallas. The official pregame show, 4 o'clock this afternoon. But there, I just gave you all the stats. So basically, you just got the pregame show. My mex- The text message inbox for me is just crashed. So I'll have to get to work at that and see if I can reboot it. And my mouse, I use a mouse. You people with your laptops. This is how old I am? I still use a mouse. Let's see if I can crank this up. This is live radio. Isn't this great? Uh, let's see what we get over the last three. we getting anything? No, I'm not getting anything. So the inbox for me is down, but for you it might not be down. So keep them coming, as Casey in the Sunshine. Oh, I see, I hit a wrong button. <laughs> Won't be the first time. Uh, go Brooke, go Ray and Campbell River. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Tony in Vancouver, complimentary uh, comments wants to focus on today's game. That's the plan. Coos, a media issue. A healthy scratch the luxury of the Vancouver record. They are the highest scoring team. True story, Tony and Van. He'd be in the lineup if they weren't scoring. He'll be back soon. It is, it is a media focus, but isn't it a, isn't it a fan focus too? Isn't it a general focus that just got the new And what draws it in is lack of production and a five and, a five and change contract that he has for the Canucks. And he just got it after being basically league minimum last year. So that. Factors into the equation with those who may sit back and say, ooh, got the money and not willing to go into the corners as the coach wants them to. Five and a half million this year, five and a half million next year, and so much for 39 goals. That's what makes it such an issue. You are totally right, Tony, that the Canucks have not missed him and can afford to scratch him. But if even half-producing or just doing – what the coach wants him to do, the game plan, you should have the $5.5 million guy in the lineup. Now, if, if, if you could move him, now you've got $5.5 million to play with and you're not missing him in the lineup. But who's going to take Kuzmenko right now, as people are saying, well, he's got five goals at $5.5 million. I don't really want to pay a $1 million a goal right now for a guy who I'm questioning his desire and willingness to work. And that's the Kuzmenko problem. You're totally right. They're not missing him on the ice. They've taken an offensive player worth five and a half mil off the ice and put in a more defensive player, shall we say, in his place to enhance the second or make it the third and fourth lines. And they're playing instead of Kuzmenko. Di Giuseppe, I think, is the guy who's in the lineup at the expense of Kuzmenko. And the way Kuzmenko's played this year, really, and the Canucks have offense, if I had to make the choice and I throw contracts out the window, which is what Pocket has done, I'm playing Di Giuseppe over Kuzmenko. I'm just getting more out of him in the way I want that guy to play. So you've taken a potential second-liner, five-and-a-half-million first-liner out of the lineup, and you put in a league minimum guy in his place, and you're not missing him. And that is the correct move. But you can't move Kuzmenko now. Like, who's going to take him? So off to the press box he goes in la-la land. More Canuck Talk coming up when we come back. I'm going to keep those phone lines open. I need that second call. The over-unders, too. We've got one. 604-280-0650. People just don't. Times have changed. People don't. The reason people don't even try and take phone calls on shows anymore is because people don't call. I love pre-Twitter and texting. I love, so I'm going back that far, love the flavor of taking people's calls. It was fun. It was a great flavor. You really got a feeling for the people's emotions in calls, you can't get emotions out of a text, but things just changed over the years. And it was to the point where, well, I, in the old days, you load up with guests now because people are not phoning anymore. And I back then had four hours to fill. I get it, but I still love the odd phone call. And the over under is one. And we've already we've we've tied that. After the break, we'll see if we can break the over-under and more of your texts to come your way. More Canuck talk as well. 604-280-0650. I am Brooke Ward. You are the listener of the pride of Vancouver, the pride of the Canucks, the pride of the Sportsnet Radio Network. This baby is Sportsnet 650. After shift after
5: shift, like everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, Casey DeSmith, like the backup netminder, looks good. He's looked good all season. I don't know. To me,
3: this is a this is a really impressive team, and we're past the point of saying, "Oh, look how many games Vancouver's won." Isn't that cute? You know, now we're saying, like, how much damage can this
5: team do in the playoffs?
0: Look at how many. I gotta use it. Look at how many games the Canucks. Have won Jeff Merrick. Isn't that cute? (laughs) That's beauty. Uh, Yes, we're past that point. Uh, We'll see how the Canucks do in the second half and moving on in the rough and tumble playoffs, of course. Uh, The phone number to call, 604-280-0650. Daniel in Burnaby. All this doom and gloom about the Canucks regressing is such negative thinking. If you are... You said more, anyway. Uh, no reason we can't make a push to the finish at the top. Regressing, I guess I've said, in the sec- if, if this is what you're referring to, in the second half, if they get into some injury issues, then Vancouver could fall back a bit, but they build a cushion. So I don't know if I'm doom and gloom, or if that's talk of them necessarily regressing. I guess it is. But I don't mean it that way, Daniel. I mean, it, uh, I mean it just as a fact of in the second half, you're bound to get some injuries, et cetera, et cetera, and so are you going to be able to continue the pace you're on right now? Uh, so we will, shall see that in the second half. Uh, legitimate question, I believe, because you're also trying to say, how come the Canucks have done so well in the first half? Because they stayed healthy, save for Carson Soucy. They have stayed healthy, and their backup goaltender has been terrific. Other reasons, too. That factors into the equation. And just speaking personally, I'm not about. To, I'm not one who would say this is why, without giving you if or as long as that continues in the second half and they stay healthy, they'll be fine. But the positive thing is even if they lose a couple of players, they have built up such a case for themselves right now in the amount of points they have in the standings that if they fall back, they're still going to be fine. Uh, this hour brought to you by... Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. You can find them and be a champion if you like. It's easy. D-L-E-A-M-C dot com. D-L-E-A-M-C dot com. Be a champion. Avenue Machinery, Douglas Lake Equipment. All right. The foam board is cooking with gas. Rusty, you're the first up. Go ahead, my friend. With Charbonneau.
5: Yes, sir. Uh, I'd personally like to see them try to use Metcalf more. I don't think they're uh, they're utilizing his skills now. There's probably a lot going on behind the scenes, but I think they need to get him more involved.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I, I wondered if he had been banged up earlier this season, Rusty, and then uh, as well, maybe that slowed him down. He was not being targeted. Same with no. uh, Same with Lockett not being targeted.
5: True, and they waited till the last two minutes to use them. I'd like to see them use at least Metcalf a little more often.
0: I hear you. And Lockett got banged up recently too, so those could be issues. Charbonneau's been terrific for them. And it was nice just to see the enthusiasm of a young guy too, like Drew Lock, who was just so – it's like a kid in a candy store. Don't know when he'll get the next chance because – No, but
5: he he sounds grateful.
0: Yes, yes. And so it was great to watch, and he was throwing them on a dime there. Uh, at yeah. the end, Rusty. Appreciate it, my brother. I'm I'm happy to say this. I'm sorry I have to cut you short, but I have other callers to get to, and we have other people on the line. Uh, Elan, who do you like? Ara, Ara, go ahead. Ara, you're up next on Sportsnet 650.
6: Yeah, hi there. Uh, I just wanted like, to quickly say that uh, I think Rick Talkett, what he's doing with Kuzmenko, is the right thing to do. It's very smart. We're playing against a formidable opponent in Dallas you're going to bring him back in the lineup, you got to ease him back. You've got to have a, a little bit of an easier opponent. This guy's got to learn how to play both sides of the game, and he's handling it right. Uh, the, you can't get anybody off the roster right now. They're all playing really well. Um, my other point also, and the final one, is that uh, I think we need to seriously consider, you know, perhaps mortgaging a bit of the future for a win-now of uh, situation. Uh, we're going to have a lot of our stars uh, becoming free uh, agents, and we're, I don't. There's no way these guys are going to keep everybody on the team. So, uh, by logic, I think our team will probably be a little bit less next year. So we have to go for it this year. I think.
0: You make some good points, R. I appreciate that. Uh, and I had mentioned earlier in the day that uh, earlier in the program, which was earlier in the day, that this might be a short window for Vancouver. So enjoy it. Because enjoy every window, frankly. You look back over the years. There not are not a lot of 10-year runs for anybody except Boston. Uh, there's not a lot of 10-year runs all over the place for teams. There's ebbs and flows. You enjoy your two or three years when you're really making, making Stanley Cup noise, shall we say, and then you regress a little bit and you try and rebuild back up to become a threat. Enjoy it. And I did mention earlier, right now the Canucks and into next year as well, With the current roster, you're going to get a couple of years out of this crew. Then you're looking, and even next year, at Pedersen being an RFA. And Besser's a UFA two years from now. Kozmenko's a UFA two years from now. And you can start going down the list of some of the guys on the team who are going to be UFAs and moving on. Some are replaceable. Some are not so easily replaceable. Canucks did need to win now for a few reasons, one of them, the hockey fan desperate for a win right now. So I can see why now, after all this time when they should have rebuilt 10 years ago, now, okay, we can't do it now. Can we do it now to try and get the fans back buying tickets and have an interest at least for a couple of years? They also needed it to do for the players on the roster, some of which who could walk, they need to win now and get some good karma going. So for that, I'm like, okay, I see why you're trying to retool. And it's worked out well right now. A couple of years from now, they may be back in a, in an old school boat. But right now, enjoy it while they're playing well, because you know, as Canuck fans, it doesn't happen every day, and it does not always last forever. Thomas, you're up next on Sportsnet 650. Brooks, how are you? I'm uh, cool, my brother. How are you?
7: Excellent. Great to hear you again. Uh, hey, so everyone called in over the break, and uh, we're all thinking alike. So I really just wanted to echo the sentiment of what you had just said, and enjoy it now, you know, like we're a, we're a fans of a franchise that we've been in the finals three times ever. We didn't probably belong against the Islanders. We came within a couple of goals of a crazy underdog story in 94, but then we had the juggernaut and losing game seven and then win another President's Cup the next year and uh, get steamrolled by a team that would trade Cups with the Chicago Blackhawks for the next few years. So we don't know. And, you know, maybe it is lightning in a bottle.
0: You, and, did, uh, you don't know what's coming, right?
7: No, you don't. And uh, I did want to challenge you uh, on the Kuzmenko bit on the trade. Now, I don't want to trade him. I think he's a tremendous player. And the best possible outcome is that he cleans up his defensive game. And I think we have like another Brock Besser type player, which is hardly terrible. Um, But I think there is a market for him because teams know what he is, a supremely talented offensive player and teams that are, up against it or fighting for that last little bit at the deadline and they need goals, they may not care.
0: I hear you. If you get into the they second half, care. you might be right, right? Uh, and I, I thank you for your call, my brother. You might be right because uh, among other things you could get with less money due on this year's contract, yet you still got another five and a half next year. So I don't know if I want at the deadline Do if I'm a team that says I've got enough defensive help, I need to score goals. If I put Kuzmenko in the right position, he can get me goals. I don't care if he checks anybody. Just score goals. Yet that is a risk to say, never mind the mill you might owe this year that I can fit under the cap so I can get him into this year's roster. Now i got five and a half mil I owe him next year. If he doesn't pan out, whoa, that's on my books for next year. So that would be my issue trading for him. You'd have to know. You have to be pretty confident. If he continues at the pace he is with a lack of offense, you'd have to be pretty confident that this guy would score goals under your system if you could vacate defensive capabilities or expectations from him. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate you very much for your call. Ziggy, you're the sixth, yeah. you're the sixth caller. We're way over the over, buddy. <laughs> I'm glad you're worth the wait, pal.
4: Thank you. Thank you. How you doing? I'm pretty swell, man. I'm,
0: it's so much fun to hear your voice and to have people call in to tell you the truth. That's it gives me Thank a kick. You. It takes me back.
4: Thank you. Yeah, I'm uh... – I'm really happy with the, uh, the way the Canucks are playing. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm especially pleased that, uh, that they got Rick Tocchet as their coach. Cause I remember him as a hockey player and, and he had pretty good skills, but tenacious grit. Um, and, 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 like he brings, uh, he brings, uh, that element to, to the team, uh, uh, you know, having played the experience of it, um, uh, and also the uh, the team that they've put uh, put around, uh, uh, you know, w- w- with what I heard of the uh, of the coaches um, uh, that that are around that are former players and 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 coaching, you know, the the uh, the, the 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 various positions. Uh, uh, one of my things is that uh, uh, the puck is the puck is what moves around. So to me, uh, speed isn't that essential. Uh, as long as you got guys that have good hands, uh, they, you know, pass the puck well, receive the puck well, and, and play their positions because, uh, hockey is such a spontaneous game, but if you can instill that in each player, where they're supposed to be, uh, on the ice at any given time, uh, you know, you can really uh, maintain that uh, uh, that skill level and momentum because uh, with with four lines in hockey, um, you know, it, it makes it a very variable game because each each time a different line comes on, um, the the flow of the game can change. And the main thing is to maintain uh, uh, the possession of the puck as long as possible. Ziggy,
0: and, you should be hosting your own talk show, man. You should be hosting your own talk show. If thank
4: you. Well, I, I, I've i been a student of the game for quite a while, you know. Well, and, I'm glad
0: you – I played a gl-
4: little bit of beer league hockey, and that gave me uh, – uh, And Insight. I've always enjoyed yeah. enjoyed it and listening to, to you guys, you know, uh, over the years. Thank
0: you, Ziggy. I appreciate it, buddy. You have your own talk show, man. You just go, like – We're trying to kill two hours here sometimes. Ziggy, I got to get Ziggy on. Co-host. Thanks, Ziggy. Appreciate it. Speed kills, though, I will say. You need, you got to get there in order to make that pass. So speed kills, and the game keeps getting faster and faster and faster. You can do this on YouTube for yourself if you want, and if you got time, I would do it if you have time. But go Google any game, you know, pick a year, 1940s. Find a game from the 40s. And then the 50s and the 60s and do that every decade and watch and, and run them one at a time and watch the game get faster and faster and faster and faster. It really is incredible to watch. Like I've been watching hockey since 1970. So you just kind of don't notice it it's like growing old i don't you know i don't really notice well i notice i'm growing old but i don't really notice i'm growing that old i see myself every day but if you saw somebody from that you knew from 40 years ago it'd be like holy smokes brooke my goodness you're old that's cuz i don't notice it i see it every day you see hockey every day you don't notice the speed as much maybe you do notice it but not as much compare it decade to decade uh, one of the years the canucks had uh, the all-star game in town at the coliseum their fan fest at the Coliseum, they had actually done that. And they'd shown all these games decade after decade after decade. And it was really incredible at that age when I th- thought I knew the game to see how much faster it gets. Try it at home. It will amaze you. I tr- Trust me. It will amaze you. Uh, Al, big Al. You're on Sports Talk 650. Thanks for calling. <laughs> right on. Um, great show today, man.
5: It's good Thank- to hear you back on the air. Thank and you, uh, Yeah, the Masters back at the helm there.
0: Awesome. Oh, you're too cool.
5: Um yeah uh I've just been saying this for a while.'m just so impressed with you know from ownership down the uh management you know Rutherford and Alvine in the front office, and then you know putting together this, this insanely super gifted coaching staff you know of all these legends um and just you know, I just can't believe what they managed to assemble, <laughs> with like the worst I... cab situation they inherited with a bunch you know it was just like it was a mess and you know no one we can't no one believe i can't believe where we're at this year and the players they've managed to round up with like the the cap and the buyout, and even like everything right down is, is the door off like i just think these guys deserve so much credit for you know having a vision sticking with it and, and it and it really working out this year so um super fun season so far and really hoping for the best
0: thank you big guy appreciate you calling that's big guy that's big al And, by the way, I mentioned earlier, too, these guys. At this point, if you stop the presses right now, Tockett's coach of the year, isn't he? If you stop the presses right now, season's over. If you stop the presses right now, who are your executives of the year? Rutherford and Alvin are in that mix for how they've been able to, on a budget, manage their way around the cap, which is what they've done. I mean, moving Bolivier. I probably screwed his name up. I was before. Bavillier, thank you. Moving Bavillier, me and Dolly, well, we have trouble with that, I must say. Bavillier, moving him was a stroke. You found a taker, really? I mean, we've watched him play for however long, a year here, and it's just like, yeah, speed, 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 but he just, he can get there, but he doesn't do anything when he gets there. But And finding a taker and moving him and clearing cap space and all that. I mean, that's that's a great work. So even if, as I'm telling you, enjoy the moment with the Canucks, because you never know how long it'll last, and they do have a whole bunch of UFAs in a couple of years, and yeah, the cap's going up by $5 million next year. That's not a lot, if you think about it. It's nothing, especially with guys looking for raises of their current roster. Two years from now, they might have issues. The upside is that as long as they keep the coaching staff together and the management staff together that they have right now, I'm confident in two years if they have issues, these guys have a better chance of righting the ship as they've done right now than anybody else the Canucks have had in a long time. Keep this this core management group together. And if issues come about, I have way more confidence in them figuring it out than Banning and Aquilini trying to figure it out. And you bring up the coaching staff too. I'm, I got to go with you for sure. I mean, I mentioned this earlier too. I mean, you got Tockett—that's one thing—and people will often overlook. There's Adam Foot teaching these guys, Gonchar teaching these guys, and a guy named Daniel and a guy named Henrik who get on the ice and lace them up, teaching these guys. I mean, hello, Tockett's brand of you have to work for your opportunities. You have to pay the price for your opportunities. If you don't pay the price, you don't do. You don't play the way I want you to play. You're not playing. And because Manko's in the box. That speaks volumes to everybody else on the ice, too. Oh, well, you know, Kuzi's in the box. By the way, you think anyone in the Canuck locker room is surprised? They're not going to say anything. But no one in the room surprised that Kuzi's in the box. If they had to pick someone to put in the box, I want DiGiuseppe in or do I want Kuzi in? Well, the way things are going, I'll take DiGiuseppe. I don't picture there's a lot of guy in the locker room that if, you, if they were you know, handed a Bible, would say, no, no, give me koozie, makes more money. So, I mean, they know what's going on, the coaching staff, and the fact that nobody's complaining about, in Vancouver, too, with their record, who's going to complain, but no one's complaining about it, tells you that they're making the right choice. Who's up next, Elan? I've forgotten. Strott. Strott, go ahead, my brother. Thank you.
6: you were talking about a 5 nothing lead. I was in the gardens in Maple Leafs. Back in the early '80s, they were beating Calgary five to nothing going into the third period. I said to my uncle, who was from Calgary, I "said police are going to lose to the plane hmm. and we bet twenty bucks, and I won twenty bucks because they lost in overtime, six to five.
0: What year was that?
6: It was the early '80s, '82 ish, '81, '82.
0: Wow, those were some great years. I mean, these are a different type of oh, hockey now. Yeah, Different type of hockey now, so people, whatever your generation growing up is, you think that's the best, and this is a total different style than what they played back then, but that was a terrific style back then, as is today, but that was a different era back then. Huh? Puck moved a little slower. Totally. Thank- I mean,
6: I've been a Canucks fan since they came into the league. So
0: I hear you. Me too. What's the first game? Do you remember your first ever Canuck game you went to?
6: Uh, Canucks in Boston. What year? Uh, 71, I think it was.
0: 5-4 Vancouver. Goaltender pulled. Bobby Orr on the ice could not beat the Canuck goaltender. Canucks won 5-4. Yeah. Okay. That's what I remember. <laughs> thanks man appreciate your call <laughs> appreciate your call i remember in 1971 uh, i don't know how many times it was like a 14 team league then so you probably saw boston more than once that was some of the beauties of a 78 game schedule back then might have been 76 but i think it was seven yeah 76 you'd see these teams like four times a year but it was a weeknight and i'm listening uh cknw and jim robson's calling the game and it's 5-4 vancouver and the goaltenders pulled and bob yours on the ice wish i could recall who was in goal for the canucks but Puck back door, took the shot, save is made. The Canucks won 5-4, and Robson said people will be talking about this night for years here in Vancouver. I believe it might have been the first year Vancouver Canucks in the second half of their first season of 1970-71. Yeah, no lead was safe back in the 80s, that's for sure. That's the Gretzky era. One thing on Ovechkin, by the way, all these goals that he scored too, it's in a different era than the Gretzky scored his goals. There was some bad goaltending and some high, high, high scoring games, and Gretzky scored 892 of them in that era. The The amount of goals Ovi has scored in this era, in some of the tough years, the dead puck era too for many years, that could factor in the equation when you're saying Gretzky is the all-time leading scorer, but where's Ovi? Uh, you know what? Who's the best all-time scorer? That's different than who is the all-time leading scorer. Do we have another one, Elan, before we're done here? We're good. I got eight, and I might have missed a call in there. Eight calls today. The over-under was one. So I thank you very much. Keep your. Did anyone dial anymore? Keep your dialing fingers warm for tomorrow because I'm back at 12 noon tomorrow. We're going to do this all again, and I threaten to – in fact, I don't even threaten to open up the phone lines. I guarantee we will open up phone lines for you again tomorrow. So many people at the inbox that are so kind to, uh, to myself – Uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Used to get a lot of hate mail. Now I'm hardly on anymore, so it's it's like mail, which is crazy to me. But thank you very much. We get a chance for more like mail tomorrow at high noon. Canucks in Dallas at 5 o'clock today. Pregame at 4, the official pregame show at 4 o'clock here on Sportsnet 650. Again, the Stars, second place in the Central, tied up with Colorado, one behind Winnipeg. Dallas has won three of four. They uh, beat Seattle the other night, their last outing. Four and four in their last eight, but they've won three of four. It would appear that Scott Wedgwood plays in goal with the uh, original starter, Jake Ottinger, out with a lower body injury. Wedgwood, 7-1-2 with a 9.06 ERA. Look for him possibly tonight unless there's a late change. Canucks. Points and seven straight. They won six straight hockey games. They're twenty-two nine and two, folks. Forty-six points. They are a lock. Write it down. They're a lock for a playoff spot this year. Thanks for joining me. Elan produced the program did a great job. I'm Brooke Ward. This is Sportsnet six fifty.